Welcome to the Beers Business and Balls presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. 20% off your order and free international shipping with the code HOUSE at checkout. Uh, episode 111, we are almost into 2023, and I, I've just recently learned that Alex Correa is in line for Manager of the Year. This is just what you told me. MLB.com writers. Trash. Who the hell is that? I'm sorry, and we'll we'll talk about this in balls, but they had these like AL and NL award predictions way too early 2023, and whoever wrote this clearly did not pay attention to any of the offseason. They're probably like, oh, the Red Sox signed Justin Turner and uh, the Japanese sensation outfielder plus Xander. They're they're going to be a good team. Nah, just just one problem. You don't have your shortstop or pitching. So I will say, yeah, the pitching is bad. They um, lost a uh a a they got outbid for Rich Hill to the Pirates. That's pretty fucking sad. The Pirates outbid you for Dick Mountain. <laughs> for forty three year old Dick Mountain. There was a guy that said. When I was in the sixth grade, Rich Hill was my fantasy pitcher, and I'm now 30. <laughs> no, he's dude, for he's a- not. What, holy shit, he's, he's actually 42. Yeah. I thought you were kidding, like, and he's, like, going to be 35. He is 42 fucking years old. That's insane. Oh, well, they do also have – the Red Sox did sign Corey Kluber. I did see that, yes. So, Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, you're 1-2. 2012 me would be – jump and enjoy honestly i think in 2012 that team is elite the distance that i was gonna say wins the world series but that's inviting ourselves for trolling with 2013 because they did so hey they were good uh rich hill talk about journeyman hubs orioles socks indians and i can say it because they were the indians angels yankees socks again A's, Dodgers, Twins, Rays, Mets, Sox for the third time. And now he's going to Pittsburgh. You said Mets, right? Uh, yeah, recently, 2021. Yeah. Remember that? He um, he got traded. Tampa traded him to the Mets. It was a Tommy Hunter trade, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, which I don't know. Tommy Hunter, I think, is uh, – oh, he's in the Mets, actually. I thought he was on the Red Sox, but – yeah, that's uh, that's a tough situation brewing in Boston. Very tough, and with Very Devers tough. coming up, I think uh, I think Mister Bloom might be on his way out. I I wrote a blog about it a couple of weeks ago where everyone loves to shit on Brian Cashman, and there's not a lot not a lot of a uh, hate on Bloom on. Let's see, losing Benintendi for nothing, losing Mookie Betts for nothing. Say there's not enough hate on Bloom? That's all Twitter is. By Red Sox fans. And now they're kind of like, okay, you just lost our face of the franchise. When they, when they traded Mookie, they're like, you know what? Alex, this Alex Verdugo guy, he's a, uh, I don't know about him. He could, he could, uh, Win an MVP, he's trash. But here's my take. Like, you do that once, it's fine. It's like, you face the media and say, hey, I fucked up. Like, I I, I didn't, uh, you know, we made, we put our cards in the wrong basket. We should have kept him. You don't have to, dis- like, insult the guys, but you can just tell them, like, hey, yeah, you know, I we, we win some, we lose some, whatever. You do that once, I think that's okay. Cashman has made shitty trades. Now, you let your star shortstop go. 
two years after this goes down, that's a problem. The, especially when this is the contract year for one of the better, like probably top five power hitters in baseball. And he's a lefty and he's like 24. Fun fact, I hated him so much in 2018. I said he should be in AAA. I was wrong. I was, I, I'll admit when I'm wrong. I was very wrong about him. The Red Sox just act like they're a, a poverty franchise where they spend, they have like the top five, top 10 highest payroll in all of the league. Yeah, and, they do. They pretty and high Fenway has no mortgage. Fenway is a free ballpark. It's a historical landmark. There is no money owed to that. They are sitting on a landmine where it's like, you have money. You are Boston. You are a major city. Spend like it. Well, they spent uh, they spent three hundred million bucks on MGM Music Hall outside. That's Xander's contract. That's Xander's contract. Ask any Red Sox fan what they would rather have on Yawker, excuse me, Jersey Street. Would you rather have MGM Music Hall, or would you rather have Xander Bogarts for ten years for three hundred million bucks? You already have an MGM Music Hall. It's called House of Blues. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> You have yeah, you House know. of Blues. <laughs> you have, yeah, it's no MGM. That thing is a fucking marvel. I will say it's very nice, but God damn it. Like, I would be, I would be so pissed if I was a Red Sox fan. We don't have to deal about that because we, well, got yeah, the, oddly enough, that was almost our reality. That was a very close reality to seeing Aaron Judge for the next nine years playing a, a San Francisco Giants uniform. Well, Arson Judge, but not Aaron. And that Arson Judge was in agreement. Aaron was not, which was nice. Our captain. Our captain. Yeah, Aaron Judge is the captain of the New York Yankees. That's weird. Go to houseenterprise.com slash the merch shop for your Captain Judge t-shirts. I still can't wrap my head. Like, I I don't think it's going to hit me until he wears the uniform. Because I'll probably do something for him on, on the home opener. And there'll be some extravaganza like you know maybe they're not gonna put a plaque there yet but they're I knew, probably like, gonna do something yeah i mean i knew that they the yankees wrote this on the wall years ago when they put the judges chamber in yankee stadium because that is yeah. such a non-yankee move whatsoever like that's something where it's like you know i mean it took a couple of years for jeter to get his monument and for Jeter even to come back in the door to so let alone like have some type of promotion of a player that not necessarily, you know, when they first announced that he only had his really good rookie season. There wasn't anything like crazy. So you put your cards in, you know, they they put themselves in the corner on the bargaining chip of, you know, what Aaron Judge wants. Now he gets no matter what. Yeah, they they did that to themselves they the second that went up everybody's like oh fuck that's this is happening but yeah. hey you know they overpaid but it's better than might have said this on the show a couple weeks ago if you need a tv you overpay for the tv you want rather than sit there and not have the tv at all it's my two cents and the red Sox are sitting there with their with their cable package and their TVs with a big box in the back. Yeah, I mean, I I still don't even think it was an overpay, you know. Yeah, I I there's a world. I, 
you can't convince me everybody's not getting overpaid now. It's just what yeah, it is. It's one of those things where like baseball money is just stupid. You know, it's one of those things where there's no, especially with the Steve Cohen's of the world. This is, this is monopoly money. Yeah. We'll get into, we're going to talk a Steve Cohen story in balls. Um, yeah. A lot of, a lot of stupid money going around. Let's go to, uh, let's go to beers. Um, let's see. Let's see. For be, when, what was our last episode? Is last week we had coach in the car. Um, so we didn't do beers before that. A couple weeks okay, ago, you did. You did Buttonwoods. I did Moniker. So I will do. Um, I'll do Treehouse because I went to the new Deerfield Treehouse location, which was honestly, I still need to get to. There's one more. Well, they have the Tuxbury one, which is the golf course, which is going to be sick when that's yeah. open. Up near New Hampshire. Yeah. I There's another, there's four locations, right? There's Sandwich, Charlton, Deerfield. Is there only uh, that farm in Woodstock, Connecticut? Which I, I have not been to yet, but hot take, hot take coming in. I think the Deerfield location is their best location. Um. It is. I don't think that's a hot take. It's spacious. It is right next to the Yankee Candle Factory. There is. It's such a cool vibe. It was an old publishing company. It kind of looks like an old community college, but they did a great job on the inside. You walk into the can, the the hallway of beer cans and all their bright colors. They have pizza. Shout out to Monday Night Brewing. They do the the yeast with the pizza and stuff like that. And that pizza was incredible. Great, great selection of beer. Um, good vibes, good music, good energy. I, I love the Deerfield location of Treehouse. So that's going to be on my ranking list. But speaking of beers, the highest rated beer that I had there was the Super Radiant, which is an Imperial Double. I give it a 4.5. It is a redition of the Radiant that carefully amplifies peach puree in addition to hop doses throughout the brewing process, resulting in a juicy, pleasant-to-drink Treehouse Double IPA, and it did not miss. Did not miss. Super, super juicy, super, super flavorable, 4.5. Um, and I picked up a bunch of beers as well. I think I gave you a Julius, the old school classics. Uh, have some holiday beers that I have to crack open and uh, got the coffee yet again. Also, a little bit of a ta- uh, tangent on this one. They also had their treehouse distilling there. And oh, they, were giving, nice. they were giving free samples of <clears throat> a, it was the coffee liqueur that they made. And then there was another one. I think it was a gin. What was it? Um, I think you might have said it was gin. Um. Well, they have this bourbon whiskey, Old Growth, which I did not get to try. They were out of that. But where was it? I think it was a gin, and it was super refreshing. So free samples of, of liquor with your beer and pizza, 10 out of 10 experience. I like it. I, yeah, that's one that I don't think that's ever going to, the brand will never lose its lost, of course. Um, you got to go check out the pictures too. I mean, it looks uh, it looks insane. It looks like a hotel lobby meets a library meets a, like a beer hall, not even a brewery. Like it was a beer, Yeah, it was like a beer hall. It was the, uh, the Big Pickle New England Gin. It's delicious. D-I-L-L. They're that's, funny too. All right, that that's funny. 
Yeah. I do like that. No, this brand, I mean, there we need to do some research on like if there's case studies about Treehouse. And obviously we'd love to get the founders on the podcast one day, but this is a brand that is going to take over. And the the way they've grown from a little quite literally the treehouse, the little barn that they had in Charlton to now these like gorgeous, stunning, picturesque locations and the quality has never dipped. You know, they're they're doing something right. I think you're right. Um oh man, there's there's a design case study, Austin Design Cooperative. Interesting stuff. Yeah, that, we could talk about this all day with Treehouse. I mean, they're they've they're on one. They've got some good shit. Um, and perfect, perfect around this time of year too. It's comforting to drink Treehouse in the winter. Um, and with that, I'm gonna shout out two beers that I drink during the winter, and I did drink this past week. Um, I want to give a shout out to Two Roads Holiday Ale, um, which I had not. I hadn't traditionally rated this very high. I gave this a three, five, uh, a couple of years ago. Wow. What did I say? I had this, I had this at Bryant townhouse K seven. I said, not bad, a crisp German taste, but other two roads seasonal ales are better. Um, here's a brief history on the two roads holiday ale. It's a beer day. Noel. It's a very special, like, red ale kind of French deal. Um, it's only available for a few weeks leading up to Christmas. I don't know. In the past, it was just too clovey for me, too, uh, too not flavorful. It was just like drinking a red ale with no no taste almost. Um, and this time around, it was better. I think they changed your recipe or something, but Beer Day Noel, you could... You could get that uh, at most two roads retailers throughout New England. Um, I'm going to up it by 0.25 this time around. I think whatever they did, it's just better. So two roads holiday ale. And then my personal favorite to drink um, during Christmas time is a Sam Adams holiday winter. For no other reason than it's just comforting. It tastes like winter. It's uh, it, it was very, very citrusy this year. Um, thought it was nice and hazy too. It was the i. It was like an IPA without the, without it being seven or eight percent and having to chew it basically. So those are two beers that I had this week, and that's Christmas to me. Yeah, the Woo-hoo. Sam Adams. It always hits. It always hits. There's nothing like a Sam seasonal beer you know like ah oh, shit you don't know what to have you don't want something crazy yeah go reach for a five or six percent sam adams nothing wrong with it nothing wrong with it and i mean like it was cool that you know being the last episode of the year that we got to experience sam adams in person so we definitely need to we need to go to the boston one and you know do a comparison of the two but the cincinnati one did not fail no, no, they great hospitality. They had so much history there too. It was awesome stuff. Yeah, it would have been cool to do the tour. Yes, we had a lot on our lot on our plates that day. We had lots of walking around and drinking pock to do. We owe Cincinnati a visit in the new year. <laughs> they were nice to us. I know we do. I don't know if I could do Bachfest. Like I would do Cincinnati 
again. Yeah, because if you go bad. for Bach Fest, it's like you're drinking Bach the whole week. I would do Cincinnati again and just like do it on our own time. Yeah, if we can do Cincinnati again where we go to different breweries, you know, still obviously, you know, visit our friends over at Dead Low because they're incredible. Um, but if we can end up like if we can parlay this with another FC, uh, FCC game, <laughs> that would be sick. FCC then, is also a way for Bachfest this year. So again, reason to go back home. But if we can also, well, no, because we we almost caught Xavier. No, they were playing. They were that. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like it was like we couldn't have done it, but they were there. Yeah, that that was. So maybe we do Xavier instead. It was unfeasible to drink for to drink a bunch of beer for. 10 hours and then show up at a Xavier game and say, Hey, we're here. It would have been funny though. Yeah, it definitely would have been funny. So we'll go to Xavier instead of FCC. Sure. Even though, even though Xavier, I mean, even though, uh, FC Cincinnati almost won the MLS. Oh, uh, I mean, they Hey, they were in the playoffs. They were in the semis. Oh, they did get to the semis. I thought they lost. They were in the semis. Yeah. They played uh union. Well, they've come a long way from losing that game to DC United, who had a historically bad year, by the way. We missed Wayne Rooney by like four months. Where is Wayne Rooney now? He's uh Yeah, he's coaching DC United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we missed him. Alas. Well, he missed us. Yeah, he missed us, more importantly. Yes. Um let's go to we're we're crowning a Hall of Fame guest this episode too. Zayden Mani is back. Um, we've alluded to this many a time. FTX. We really don't know what the hell's going on. Um, we had him explain that to us. Southwest Airlines is in total shambles, and it's going to require years to get them back on track. Lots of wild stuff going on in the business world. We also make our bold predictions for twenty twenty three. And recap the biggest stories of 2022. So let's do it. Here is Hall of Fame guest Zayden Mani. All right, everybody, with us this week for the final episode of 2022, recurring guest, and now Hall of Fame guest. Because oh, black done yet? Because it's the holidays. <laughs> uh, Zayden Mani, Zayden Mani, four-time recurring guest, now in the Hall of Fame. Uh, an OG fan, uh, he was in the single digits club for Beers, Business, and Balls way back in 2020, and we now have him to uh, close out season three. So, Zade, welcome to the podcast. Happy holidays, and how's everything going? Pretty good, man. I appreciate you guys having me back on. Did not realize it was the fourth time. I, I appreciate the uh, Hall of Fame gesture. I get to wear the uh, the gold jacket, you know, and uh, get the plaque and everything. I'm looking forward to it. We got the plaque, and then you know when more money comes in, we'll invest in the gold jackets. <laughs> no, nah, I feel the I feel the love though. I appreciate you guys always having me on. It's 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 a good feeling. So I mean, as our resident business insider, a uh, lot to dive into, lot to talk about. I guess we'll we'll kick things off because it's the holiday season, and uh, the airline situation. So we got Southwest canceling two thirds of their flights total mess airports all over the place you recently just posted a video but give us a rundown of uh what the hell is going on yeah man i mean this is uh i feel like we always get some sort of headline around the holidays about airline travel mess and people getting stuck at the airports but this was just a collapse of epic proportions man a total meltdown 
And and this is the kind of story that I just I love reading about. And not like don't love like the pain and suffering felt by the passengers, but just like the corporate negligence and the fact that these guys did not prepare for a situation like this, specifically Southwest. So essentially what happened with Southwest Airlines is they they thought they were ready for this winter storm. A winter storm hit like the coldest it's been in like, you know, a century hit the U.S., a, a big part of the U.S., like a day before Christmas. Right. And it, and it canceled a bunch of flights. And Southwest just was just was not ready for it. They were running some like old school software that just collapsed under all the flight cancellations. And 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 from there, it was just a cascading effect. So like this, the software collapses because you just can't keep up with all the canceled flights and then just results in a bunch more flights getting canceled because the people at Southwest had to like manually go in and reassign flights and crews to a specific flight. And they just could not do it um, with all the cancellations that took place. So it's just been a total mess. Uh, and I feel really bad for people that got caught up in it. Cause like people have been stuck at their destinations or at their, at their, at their locations for days. I know some people personally who've been, who've been in Mexico who's supposed to come back Monday. They're still there because they just can't get back. That is absolutely insane. So I will preface this with the last time I've flown Southwest. I don't know if Will can say the same thing because maybe he's flown it before me, but it was the first ever Southwest flight from St. Louis to Punta Cana in 2019. Nice. Um, huge flex, I know. They were giving out yeah. free drinks and stuff. Free empanadas, <laughs> not yeah, even they, like local. True. Uh, <laughs> took a, our connection was from Boston to St. Louis. Weird, I know. Adds another <laughs> three hours for no reason. Um, I feel like Southwest, for as as much as the low cost sort of like, you know, hey, traveler's favorite airline, like, you know, we don't have any of these extra frills. It's just good old fashioned fun. It hasn't caught up to them really until now. Like, I feel like Southwest, this is the first real big thing we've seen in the news from them in so much time. And now it all comes crashing down on them with something as stupid as this. It's It's almost like their old systems are just getting totally exposed to every consumer now. Yeah. Exactly. I think I think their old system worked, um, especially when they were a smaller airline, right? Like this was a smaller airline until recently and you know, compared to like the big ones in, in the United States, like United American Delta. Southwest was considered a smaller uh, competitor. They've grown a lot in the last decade and a half, right? But they, for some reason, never upgraded their systems Um you know, and, and that's just a mistake. That's, that's a mistake. Maybe it was because they're trying to save money. Maybe because they never had a problem before. They were kind of doing the whole like, well, it's not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Unfortunately, things broke. And when things break for an airline, it causes not just, um, uh, you know, a negative press, but just a lot of people having to go through just terrible conditions, sleeping at the airports on Christmas and things like that. And people will never forget that. That's the thing. Like these people who flew on Southwest and they got their flights canceled this week, are never going to forget it. And they're probably never going to fly Southwest, even if it's the cheapest option. And so it's just a, it's just a terrible thing. And, and I think they, they, they probably learned their lesson now and they're probably going to upgrade their, upgrade their technology systems now, but it might be too late for a lot of, uh, a lot of their, you know, a lot, a lot of their customers. So that's a question too, for everybody, right? Zade, I guess we'll start with you here, but like if you were impacted by Southwest and you were stranded at an airport or had to go back wherever you were traveling, like, what would it take for you, for Southwest to give you to say, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll fly with them again and I'll do it now. Or, you know, maybe I'll do it in three months. Like what I'm, I'm struggling to put the number on like what I would even want to, to earn my trust back from them. 
Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I think <laughs> I'm one of those like I love a good deal. So I think if, if there was like a really good deal, and if it was just maybe me as a solo passenger, not with family, I'd probably do it. You know, I'd probably roll the dice. I like to gamble a little bit, right? <laughs> um, but if it was with family, yeah, I don't know if I I don't know if there'd be any any time that I'd go with them uh, for at least until I had some reassurances that they've upgraded their systems and it's been stress tests and like they can withstand uh, a winter storm or something like that. I'm saying maybe buy one, get one. <laughs> maybe a buy one, get one. They'll just say, oh, enroll in our companion pass. That's it. They have that. Yeah, yeah. They have the companion pass. So maybe that maybe that would be enough. You know, the thing with Southwest is I've never been like a huge fan of them because, you know, they're, they're, their tickets are cheap, but they're not like ridiculously cheap, like Spirit or whatever, where you can fly to like Vegas for 40 bucks, right? Um, and I don't like the fact that you can't like pick your own seats, especially when you have a family. It's like, all right, well, now I have to like just pray that I get in line early enough to where I can get a seat, you know, a, an empty row with with the wife and the kid. Otherwise, it's just kind of like a free for all. So maybe when they upgrade their systems, they're going to reevaluate that and and let us pick our seats because I just never liked that system. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because again, Southwest, it's a market which it's a very archaic market. Like there's not much innovation in the airline industry anymore. Like planes are getting more high tech, but like the user experience sucks. Like someone pulled out like the tape measure in between like the seats and stuff. And it's like, wow, I have six inches between the back of the seat and my knees. Like that's, you know, the user experience gets worse, but then you have these new airlines like breeze, which is, you know, their Mm -hmm. tagline of like, you know, unpopular destinations, but for affordable rates, um, you know, it'll be hard for Southwest to recover from this. And I guess in like the financial terms, I'm just looking at like, you know, somehow they're up 4% today, but for the month they're down, their stock's down almost 17%. Wow. I didn't know they were up 4% today. I mean, their, their stock was getting crushed this week relatively to other, uh, other airlines. Um, maybe the market thought that it was an overreaction. There was some positive news coming out from Southwest today that they're going to start resuming normal flight operations starting Friday. Um, so, you know, maybe that positive news jolts the stock up a bit. Uh, so, you know, you know, it, it, it'll just be interesting to see how quick people forget. Cause you know, we do have short memories if you think about it, but something like this, I think it'll take a little bit of time to get that negative PR stink off of you. Um, and, and so maybe there'll be some good deals, uh, in Q1 and Q2 for, for us to take advantage of a little BOGO, a little buy one, get one. Right. <laughs> right. I wouldn't complain about that. Yeah. So we cover the Southwest. Now we got to go to the one that's an ever-evolving situation. It's Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX. So as of right now, he I don't know where he's located, but he's out on bond. <laughs> he's out. Um, you know, give us a little dive through of what the past, you know, week or two weeks looks like with him and, uh, you know, what's next per se. Yeah, I think he's in California right now. I think he's like in under house arrest uh, in his parents' house, right, <laughs> in his parents' house in uh in the bay area yeah didn't he get cut out because like i think his bond was the condition that you you can get freed on bond but you have to stay at your parents house in california right right right. it's it's pretty much under house arrest i think he has an ankle monitor on i've been reading i was reading some of the details i still don't fully understand the whole like 250 million dollar bond and i don't fully understand how all that worked and his parents put up the equity in their house but their house is worth three million I still don't fully get that, to be perfectly honest. So I'm not going to just make up information here. But he's he's not in jail right now. He's in a house arrest. I think he has a court date in New York on January 3rd. So just right around the corner. And I'm sure we'll get more information there. He's being charged 
with multiple things, you know, and 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 so this could get really bad for him. Uh, but as with anything with Sam Bankman-Fried and, and FTX, like there's there's a lot of conspiracy theories, like he, people saying that he's going to cut a deal to expose other crypto people, other crypto frauds, and things like that. So this is an ever evolving story, and 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 so I can't wait for the movie though. You know, I can't wait for the movie. That's that's where we're going to get like all the all the inside scoop with when Michael Lewis finally writes writes his book and we get the movie. So to back way up for those that don't know what FTX is and how he got so absolutely utterly screwed he did he did what well i mean i don't know if he got screwed i think he i think he's probably getting what he uh what he uh, he's, de- well, right. he's getting I what he deserves screwed by the screwed by the law getting what he deserves probably right. but right um so essentially FTX is one of, was one of the biggest uh, crypto exchanges in the world it's kind of like if you can imagine like a like a fidelity or a charles schwab but for crypto it was uh, FTX was, I think, the second biggest one after Binance, right? And a lot of professional traders and a lot of people used FTX. Um, a lot of smart people were involved with uh, with the project. Uh, Tom Brady was buddies with Sam Bankman-Fried. Looking back on it, it's kind of funny now. <laughs> Steph Curry would advertise for them. Um, and, and they had a lot of big investors, you know? And so I think a lot of people thought that if all these big investors are involved and if Tom Brady's involved and if Larry David did a commercial for them, then they must be legit. Well, what was happening was... The the people at FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried being the CEO, were just using people's money that that, that you would deposit. Say if I deposited ten thousand dollars into FTX to buy crypto, they were just taking that money and funneling it over to Sam's sister company called Alameda Research, which was a hedge fund, a crypto hedge fund, and they would use that money to uh, to to you know buy just shit coins to try to make more money. And essentially, they lost it all. They were just so bad at trading that they lost. Um, they lost like a, a few billion dollars. And now when people went to go withdraw their money from FTX, none of it was there because Sam had already funneled it over to Alameda and Alameda lost it. So there was a huge hole in the balance sheet. People go to dip, withdraw their money. It's not there. And then this whole um, house of cards comes coming down and we get all this exposure. We get everything gets exposed. Like, oh yeah, the money was never there. Sam moved it to Alameda. Sam gambled it away. And and all the people, all the all his crew over at FTX, I mean, with Caroline and 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 Gary, and there's there's a lot of people involved in the in the in the back scenes. So we'll see who all gets charged. But this story is not over. And then you said you 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 said the key word was the money was lost. What does that like? I mean, it was the gambling, was the moving it, but how does the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars just like get lost? lost as in like they were using that money. Imagine they were using that money, taking it to Vegas and playing roulette with it. So <laughs> they were taking the depositors money and Sam thought that he was such a brilliant um, trader that he would, he could just make more money for himself by, you know, using his, his depositors money to buy random shit coins or whatever they were buying. Right. But, but when the market turned, all that money just got wiped out. Right. So let's just say they bought, a random coin for $10, some random shit coin for $10. And that, that and they were going to sell it for $20 and make a profit. They were using their depositors money on FTX to buy that random shit coin. When that shit coin went down to $2 or $3, they lost all the money. They did so all that all that money got wiped out because the market turned on them and and then that's why there was a hole in the balance sheet at FTX because he took the money from FTX, moved it over to Alameda to to do all this gambling. And we're going to get into our bold predictions for 2023, but 
to kind of prelude that, what would you say a bold prediction is for crypto in 2023 with, you know, this ongoing investigation? Obviously, it's like like you mentioned, it's a revolving door of we don't know what's next, but the crypto landscape, what is your bold prediction for that? I mean, I don't think it's that bold anymore, but I do think that like Bitcoin will probably drop below $10,000. Um, I think... It might be bold to say that Binance might get in some trouble, whether I don't know if getting in trouble means a total collapse, but I, I'm feeling a little nervous about Binance. So, yeah, I think that's my bold prediction that Binance will uh, something bad will happen with Binance, whether it's a total collapse or a partial collapse. I don't know, but something bad might happen to Binance. And Binance was going to acquire FTX, but that right. that was squashed quick. Right. I think, well, I think what Binance was trying to do, I mean, this whole, this whole stuff is just like a movie, right? I think what Binance was trying to do was to get a look behind, uh, to get a look at FTX's books. <laughs> and so they're like, oh yeah, we'll buy you. They got to peek at the books. They're like, yeah, this is, this yeah, is, out. this is screwed. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm out. And, and so they got to peek at the books. They know what their competitors doing, how much trouble they're in. They back out and, and then FTX just, you know, collapses. And so now Binance, there's some there's some uncertainty around Binance. Like, hey, do they even have the money? Are they do are they doing some shady stuff with their um depositors' money? So there's this there's all these questions, there's uncertainty, there's a lot of distrust. Um, and that's why I think that we're gonna just be in for a bit of a winter here with uh with crypto. So at least the crypto. I don't know about NFTs. NFTs are kind of their own thing at this point. But with crypto, I do think that there's gonna be a bit of a winter. The winter will continue in 2023. Now you said NFTs. Like, what's your take on that? Are we are we saying it's money laundering? Or are we saying it's uh, an investment? Uh ninety nine percent is probably money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> I think that all the art stuff is just BS. I think it's dumb. I mean, there's like you know Logan Paul is now under some heat with uh, his NFT crypto zoo project, and so I think a lot of these NFT people are getting exposed. These scammers are getting exposed. I wonder if there's going to be any sort of significant arrest uh, because of this. Because I know we're getting. You know, people are getting arrested for the crypto stuff. But is anyone going to get arrested for NFTs? That'll be interesting. Um, I think that NFTs could have some sort of use case, though. I, you know, like I was pretty excited to see how the uh, Coachella NFT that was launched, I think, back in March or April was going to do. Like, this NFT was going to act as your all-inclusive pass to Coachella, and then you could sell it down the line. Like, there were some pretty interesting applications to it. I think NFTs for, you know, concert tickets, sports and venue tickets could be interesting. I don't know if it's going to work, but I think that's an interesting application. Unlike this art stuff, this art stuff, I just think is, is, is kind of lame. Like it's not for me at least. What is the most crazy or like outlandish NFT that you've seen so far in this year? Dude, there was a, I think in 2021. Yeah. I think it was the summer of 2021. And then when this NFT stuff was just going bonkers, there was a rock, a picture of a rock. Like literally like an illustration of a rock that my four-year-old daughter could draw that sold for like $1.7 million, $1.7 million. I think that was like the ultimate, just kind of like, what kind of world are we living in? And, 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 you know, looking back on it, I, I wonder what the rock is worth now, probably zero, but that was, that was like the biggest, Oh wow. What, what the hell is going on here moment for me? Yeah, I tried to get into the NFC space just to, you know, for some market research and then the gas prices lost me. <laughs> Absolutely. When you're yeah. paying when you're paying more for a picture of a rock in gas prices where I still can't comprehend said gas price, you're losing me there. <laughs> Dude, well, I, I actually bought some really dumb NFTs myself. 
Uh, I actually bought uh, Logan Paul's crypto zoo. I think I spent a thousand dollars on it. No, God, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, I lost some money in NFTs too. I, I, I think I probably lost over probably over two thousand dollars just buying dumb, dumb NFTs. But I'm gonna chalk it up to market research. That's it. We chalk it up to market research. So. <laughs> Um, 2022, 2022 tumultuous year, big year, uh, post COVID kind of in COVID. I don't remember. It's all a blur, but yeah. we'll go around, we'll go around the zoom chat as my dogs are barking at the at home recording studio, but, uh, we'll go around and say your biggest 2022 business moment. And we'll start with Zim. Ooh, 2022, like reflecting back, reflecting um, back. I keep coming to there's just so much shit with Elon, but one thing I think is really going to have some implications moving forward. And honestly, like this is kind of my big prediction from 2023. Um, he cracked down on remote work. He's like, I want everybody in the office. And if you don't want to get in the office, then I'll hold the door open for you on the way. That was the biggest moment for me because you have these big companies, like the fan companies, Google, Facebook, Apple saying, you know, Hey, work from home forever, basically. And then Elon takes the exact opposite route. He said, if you're not in the office, you're not working. Um, that sort of like the other shit, sure. You know, is it surprising? Yeah, not really for him. Um, I was very surprised that he wants everybody in the office all the time and all of his companies. So I think that might be right into my 2023 prediction is we're going to start seeing a bunch of people go back in. We're going to start seeing companies say, oh yeah, we were, you know, we we've reconsidered on the, the work from home stuff. We want you back in three, four days a week. And if not, um, you know, sorry, we'll hold the door open for you. That's, uh, that's, that's my prediction and my reflection for 2022. I don't want to work in an office anymore. So I hope that's the case, <laughs> at least in the corporate world, but all right. How about you, Zaid? Yeah, I think, I think the, the big story has to be for me, the Elon stuff, man, the Elon drama, dominated headlines from March all the way till, I mean, he's still doing it right. Like with the, with the whole Twitter stuff, he was going to be, you know, threat, he was going to buy Twitter and then he wanted to back out and then he ended up buying it. And then ever since he acquired Twitter in October, it's just been a total shit show. Um, you know, and, and, and now Tesla stock is down 40% this month. And like this man is losing wealth left and right. Twitter is losing a bunch of advertisers. Like it, it is whole, to me, that's like the story of the year, the business story of the year. And, and, you know, you make a good point though, Jake, about like the, the work from home stuff. Oh yeah. You know, he, he is cracking down on work from home, but I do think that, I do think that work from home will probably stay. It might move to a hybrid model um, or maybe like come into the office, you know, once every couple of weeks kind of thing. Uh, Elon's just style is way different. Right. And, and so I don't, I don't know if every tech company can afford to even do that. Like if your top performers want to work from home four days out of the week or three days out of the week. I think some company, I think companies are going to be okay with it. Um, so, you know, maybe the work from home trend is reversing a bit, but I don't think it's going to like go back to the ways we used to do it in 2019. But yeah, Elon dominating headlines, just doing crazy things, just like winging it. And and now he's, now he's like found himself in a bit of a, a bit of a pickle, man. The, the dude is losing money from Tesla uh, or his, his wealth is decreasing because Tesla stock is going down and he's now he has to run this, uh social media platform which doesn't make any money so it, that's tough i agree with that and then mine is actually a little outlandish but i think it's funny it was billy mcfarlane getting released from prison and then having to owe 26 million 
And that's going to be my transition into what is the bounty going to be for Sam Bankman-Fried? Because if Billy McFarland, I mean, obviously Firefest was a great Netflix documentary. Amazing. Can't wait for the FTX one. But what is Sam Bankman-Fried going to have to owe after, uh, you know, this is all said and done? Did you watch, did you guys watch both of them? The Hulu one and the Netflix one? Oh, yeah. I thought the Netflix one was much better, but man, that, that's got to be up there. These last few years of documentaries, it's got to be close to the top of the list. Those two were incredible, incredible. Like that, still to this day, my probably one of my favorite business documentaries, both of them. Like they were so well done. Especially because like Billy McFarlane, then when he was in jail, like colluding with Mike, the situation, oh like, yo, God. what's the next business? Let's make this. I mean, who knows if that's true or false, I even forgot but... about that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably... <laughs> yeah. Like I, I imagine 2023, you know, uh, Sam Bankman Freed and Billy McFarlane just like team up for some crypto <laughs> oh concert and just, oh <laughs> and my just God. fool everybody. I think I don't would just... forget Shrelly. What was that guy? The pharma bro, Martin Shrelly. He ca- he got out of prison this year too. He yeah. did. Wow. Yeah, he's he out. He's like that. he's like a YouTuber now. He's like live streaming stuff <laughs> and like has a newsletter and everything. Oh my god, it's crazy. <laughs> you do so much bad in the world and then you come back and become a celebrity. <laughs> Yeah, the guy. Uh, yeah, so so now Australia's out. That's a good prediction. Uh, so yeah, I wonder what happens to to Sam Bankman Fried. But I, I don't think he's going to be coming out for for a while. But we'll yeah. see. We'll, I guess we'll see in twenty twenty three. And then in twenty twenty three, bold prediction. Something you look forward to happening in the business world. What is something that, uh, you know, you see in your eyes? I think Meta makes a, a big comeback. Uh, Zuck is laser focused. I'm still I still think he's crazy when it comes to the um, metaverse investments, but I think he's laser focused. I think people have a little bit more respect for him now that they realize how hard it is to run a social media company after seeing Elon totally screw it up. And I think Zuck is is going to make a comeback or at least meta stock is going to make a comeback. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, and yeah, so that's my it's not that bold of a prediction. Honestly, a lot of people are predicting it, but I think that meta makes a good uh, a, a decent comeback. It's going to outperform the S&P 500. It might even outperform the Nasdaq. Um, it might be the best performing big tech stock in 2023. All right. All right. What about you, Sam? I'm going to say, so analysts really thought that this was going to be a big year for M&A, but I think next year they're even more bullish on that. So I think to Meta's big comebacks aid, I'm right with you. And I'll even take it a step further as a prediction to say Meta's going to acquire somebody big. I don't know who. Maybe they'll make a big acquisition, though. Um, we've seen Facebook acquire uh, large companies in the past, too. So kind of, you know, I thought the M&A activity was better in 2021. Uh, lots more to digest. You know, not a ton going on this year, just with the state of the economy. So 2023, the year of mergers and acquisitions again. The biggest merger we had this year or acquisition we had was Microsoft buying Activision. And that might not even go through because the uh, Department of uh, the DOJ, I think, is like trying to block it or the FTC or someone's trying to block it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, the thing is, like, the government or uh, Facebook or Meta is like in the crosshairs of, of the government. So I don't know any acquisition they do is like, yeah, you know what? Nah, we're not going to allow it. So I, I don't I don't know what's going to happen with them. Maybe they maybe no one cares about them enough anymore to to let them buy at companies again. But. That is a good, that is a bold prediction. I like it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't, it, it's like even escaping me. I think, you know, Microsoft will probably stand pat, um, but you, you've got to bet we'll see at least two or three big tech firms 
you know, I think there was talk about, I, we've talked about this before, Zade, where you've come on the show and said, you know, Netflix has to get in live sports to be successful, right? Do we see, it depends on how Netflix does next year, what changes they make, but do we see a big company swoop in and try to scoop them up, get them into sports? You know, get, we can't really discount that. Yeah, I thought Apple was potentially could potentially acquire Netflix, but I I don't know anymore. I mean, the thing is, the streaming the streaming business is not a good business. Um, it's it, it doesn't have super high profit margins or whatever. And Netflix has still refused to get into live sports. I think they're starting to change that, but they don't have the pocketbooks that uh you know like Google's gonna take over NFL Network now or sorry um as NFL Sunday Ticket. Uh, they don't have Apple's pocketbooks, but yeah, maybe maybe Apple comes in. Writes them a check, writes a check for Netflix, and uh, and acquires them. That'd be dope. That's that's a, that'd be that'd be really dope. Yeah, I mean Netflix is they're they're blowing the lead. They're blowing the lead because especially with the news of the password sharing, which like yeah. is going to be, you know, <laughs> it's going to make people like okay, if I have to cut costs, Netflix isn't really doing it for me. And hundred percent, you know, they're not creating content. They they create good content, but not fast enough. I mean. Uh, what was the big show? Stranger Things. The next one's not going to be till 2024 if we're lucky. And yeah. it's like, and, how many times can you rewatch the same, you know, four seasons? Bro, their best show was like Love Is Blind and all these dating shows. I can't. I mean, like, I, I can't. I can't help but watch all that garbage TV because it's like good to have like in the background, like in the evenings. And and but you're right. Like, man, making these like really expensive shows. Like they spent like what like three hundred million dollars to make this Knives Out movie or whatever the case is. And I'm like, dude, like the ROI on that is probably terrible. Just pull all that money together, give the NFL like two billion dollars, make Roger Goodell happy, rub his back a little bit. And like I guarantee you, it's gonna pay off. Probably a better ROI than than whatever Stranger Things they're trying to do. So I don't, you know, I, I don't know what Netflix is thinking. And I think that they're a great acquisition target. If their stock, their stock has recovered since they hit since it hit its lows this year. But if, it, if their stock starts to tumble again next year, that that could be a spicy acquisition target. It's the same with like DC, how they canceled so many of their. Uh their movies because they just couldn't afford it. And they had, I mean, you had Dwayne, the rock Johnson mm -hmm. and uh, you know, these big name actors and you can't afford stuff. So streaming exactly. and entertainment, not where it is. Um, so my bold prediction, well, I had one for 2022 that didn't come true and it was Apple acquiring Peloton. I still think that's in the cards because <laughs> Peloton is, you know, they, they, they blew a big lead and you know, they're laying off people, they're raising the prices. So I think, I think Apple is in play there. But I think it's going to be a bad year for Amazon. I think uh, between, you know, we started seeing like the union stuff come up and just like workers just overall not being happy of how they're treated. And then on top of that, the acquisition of uh, Roomba, I think, you know, the whole surveillance and everyone being inside their homes. I think a lot of people are going to put the tinfoil hats on in 2023 and start, you know, straying away from ring doorbells, Roomba, like uh, the Alexa, everything like that. They might be like totally scrapping Alexa. I think there's a there's conversations internally at Amazon because Alexa loses, is losing like billions of dollars every year, not making them any money, and it costs them a lot of money. So they might just scrap Alexa altogether. That's that's a good prediction. Yeah, Trouble you know, here we were in 2020 saying, "Wow, this is going to be the future," right? And now you have vacuums charting blueprints of homes, and everybody freaks out, and and that's it. <laughs> I totally forgot about the Roomba acquisition, man. That's that's a good one. That's a good one.
Yeah. Well, that was, uh, yeah, everyone's up in arms because they're like, wow, they're going to know exactly the plot of my home and where to put packages and, you know, where to, where to, in the meantime, for we intruders. already have all these like Alexa cameras just like yeah. staring at us all day. So it's like, hey, they already have all that information, guys. Like, if you're trying to protect your security, a robot vacuum is your least of worries. Well, the biggest thing is like they're mapping the homes to see what you don't have. <laughs> so it's like, okay, what what should I promote on your page? A new Samsung stove or a new a new Amazon stove that cooks the Brilliant. food like in seconds and shit like that. Like, and people are dumb enough to buy anything. They're like, oh, I need a new microwave. Yeah, how'd you know? I also think that like uh, Andy Jassy, the guy who took over for Bezos, dude might not he might not be the guy. You know, like you know he he's a uh, he might not have him. like. He just might not be the guy, you know? I'm trying to give a good sports analogy here. Like, yeah, he's not the guy. Is there a CEO in 2023 that is going to have a good year? Because I think Bob Iger is probably oh, on the list. Oh, yeah, dude. Iger Iger's about to come back and just this – is, this is going to be like MJ coming back in 97, dude. It's going to just be <laughs> – he's, he's ready to turn this around. He had a good rest in 2020, 2021. He's back and he's ready to like take Disney back to the promised land, whatever that means. So I think Iger, Iger's, Iger's ready to dominate and he's well-rested. That's such a sick, like, you retire or step down or however, whatever term they used. And they're like, hey, like, we kind of need you back. Like, that's got to be a good flex to be like, okay, I, I, I am the shit. That is so true. I mean, yeah, yeah, they needed him. And and so he's like, oh, I'll do it. Plus, like, dude, being the CEO of Disney has to be like a dope job, dude. Like, think about how awesome that job is. And and it's just, it's just, a, they just picked the wrong guy. Bob Chapik, I was, I was down on Chapik. Since he took over, I'm like, this guy is a suit, man. This guy is not going to like, this guy can't be in charge of Disney. Make him in charge of like GM or something. Don't make him in charge of Disney, dude. Like we need some like creative people running Disney. And and so that's why it never worked. And hopefully this time Iger like knows that going in and doesn't pick a terrible successor. Cause that's his only L on his resume is like picking a bad successor. Yeah. Yeah, so lot to lot to uh keep up. How how is your trading going for uh how is I guess 2022? Good year, bad year? Did you make any money? <laughs> uh my portfolio is down a lot. It's a little down a lot. I was heavily over overexposed to uh, to uh big tech stocks and high growth stocks and uh um yeah, that's not looking good. I'm way down. I'm way down. I think uh my Roth IRA is down like more than I think it probably down more than 30%, closer to 40%. So it's not looking great for the year. Um, but, you know, that's a lesson learned, you know, lesson learned. No matter how old you are, you can still learn. Like, you're not going to beat the markets. Just because just because you think you're making a lot of money in 2021 doesn't mean it's going to continue in 2022. To, time to be smart. Take profits when you when you can and reallocate those uh, those investments. So I've learned that lesson now, and I'm going to have a more a better strategy going into 2023. I think collectively the uh, the common man was not not good in the markets this year. Common yeah. man lost quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, that was a lot of uh, a lot of L's around. Um, well, on the bright side, Zay, that means you can have. Uh, last time you were on the show, we talked about how you're doing your daughter wrong with investing in so many NFTs and stuff like that. But now she can go to college. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if she can, bro. I lost all her money in the markets. <laughs> uh, but you could her... have lost more. That's the. <laughs> Again, not I know. financial advisors, please don't take anything we say for, you know, absolute truth, but uh, you know, it could have been worse. It could have been. Yeah, I guess that's true. It, it could have been worse. So, but uh, lesson learned. I know what, you know, I, I think it's good to learn lessons without, without taking too much of a beating. 
So I, I know what to do or what not to do moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you're already, you already beat us with kids, but I don't know what, how much college is going to be when your daughter is at that age. I don't know how much college is going to be when our kids are at that age and they're not even the thought yet. Bro, I'm hoping that chat GPT or something along the line just comes in and is like, you know what? You can just go to college for like 300 bucks a month or maybe, you know, whatever, something cheap. <laughs> and we don't have to worry about paying like 10 grand a semester or whatever the case is nowadays for, to go to a four-year college. Chat GPT acquire... is taking over the world. I was going to say, know, who's going to acquire that? Oh, well, nobody, dude. They're yeah. going to acquire other they're, people. They're... <laughs> can, can you acquire what is by nature open AI? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Microsoft owns a big chunk of them. So, yeah, yeah no, Microsoft is not going to let anybody acquire them. They're, they're, they're going to probably absorb that technology, make it into Bing, and Bing's going to be, like, actually competitive against Google. That would be something. That's a good prediction right there. That's Actually, I might write that one down and make a Come video back about for that Bing? one. <laughs> yeah. Come back here for Bing, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Bing is about so to have a like a 20, 2014 Steph Curry kind of year, dude. Just a breakout year. As you so might far, be the only person in... in the world that's uh, thought of that. Bold, I like it. I don't I'm, gonna, I, I'm actually going to write this down, guys. Actually, that's actually a really good, actually a good <laughs> idea for a video. I'm going to write that one down. Bing's about to go off while Safari's still left in the basement. <laughs> Come back uh. here for Bing. Well, Zaid, we appreciate it. As always, where can our listeners find all your content and uh, follow along your your bold predictions for 2023? Yeah, just hit me up. TikTok's my main platform. Just look up Admani. Um, Admani Explains on Instagram, on uh, on YouTube. Also doing some stuff on LinkedIn now. So uh, shout out to to LinkedIn. Hopefully you guys want, want to follow me there. Trying to make, trying to bring some, a uh, little bit of spice to LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn content can be kind of lame. So I'm trying to like, Make it make make it make it spicy, make it good. So that's my goal of 2023 as well, is to make some good content on LinkedIn. But yeah, just look up my name, Zaid Admani. I think I think I should pop up. Yes, no more fake accounts. There's been too many fake Zaid Admani accounts coming up on Instagram. So I know, dude. I'm they they won't give me the blue check on Instagram. So you know, I'm trying. Slow and steady. But Zaid, we appreciate it. Hall of Fame guest, four-time recurring guest, Zaid Admani. Thank you as always. Appreciate you guys. Happy New Year. And that was just Zaid Admani, Hall of Fame recurring guest, our resident business analyst, TikTok sensation, all of the above. Uh, we always appreciate Zaid coming on. And yeah, a lot of uh, bold predictions for the new year and a lot of crazy stuff that we recapped. I mean, can't believe the year flew by and there were some you know major headlines. And we, I think we're done with Elon for a while. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay if 2023 brings us no Elon. Well, not no Elon, some Elon, but <sighs> yeah, I'm I think I'm getting, I'm getting rid of my blue check. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It hasn't really done anything for me. I am all set. Nothing special. And that's talk and verified. Um, okay. Balls presented by Manscaped. Uh, you know what to do. Manscaped.com 20% off your order. Uh, use the code house and you get free international shipping. Um, let's, let's go contenders and pretenders first. Um, let's see. Can, I mean, I don't know what new information we have here that would warrant me picking. There are two distinct buckets. I'll put it that way. You can tell who's a contender and who's a pretender. For the few bubble teams, God, I mean, the Dolphins have slipped so much. I can't believe it. They're going to win against Patriots. It's all good and fine. Um, I still think the Commanders uh, might be pretending. 
potentially. I need to look at this in a bit more depth here. Do you have anything off the bat? Well, I was going to say my pretender right now, unfortunately, might be the Eagles. Wow. Because if Jalen Hurts is actually hurt, they're in for a run for they're they have a run for their money. And the Cowboys embarrassed them. Yeah, they did. And it's like they, you know, the this Eagles team is kind of like the Yankees, where it's they had a very hot and historic start. And now reality's kind of catching up. And who knows? They Jalen Hurts is healthy and they call it and they they run the table in the playoffs and you know, I could be wrong in this take, but after watching that Cowboys Eagles matchup, sorry, Gardner Minshew, you were special at one point, but right now, I hope Jalen Hurts does not have a broken collarbone because there, that ship has sailed. I know that that could be very dangerous for the Eagles. I, I still think, you know, solid win for the Cowboys, 40 to 34. It was a shootout. You know, you lose those types of games as the Eagles. I, I'm not out on them just yet i i'm gonna go back to the commanders because they have not won since november 27th and everybody was there uh you know saying well this team could go all the way right taylor heineke might be the the second coming of jesus again for the second straight year we're doing that or maybe even the third i don't know um 49ers manhandled them so i think the commanders for a team that's currently in right now is not impressing me whatsoever um like the Giants games against them weren't I, I don't want to say the tie wasn't competitive. But I think the Giants were in the driver's seat the whole game. And then they were in the driver's seat the whole game the uh the the week after too, with that twenty to twelve win. So not impressed. Um best commanders can do in my opinion is is split because they're gonna lose against either the Cowboys or the Browns. And I think they're gonna lose the Cowboys the way they manhandled the Titans tonight. I think it might be uh, trouble in paradise for the Commandies. Yeah, I thought the I thought the Cowboys were going to piece the Titans, especially with no Derrick Henry and no Tannehill slash Malik Willis. But it's only uh, what ten point game. That was a, a two score game. Two score, I think they were. That, that doesn't really reflect like it, it. I don't really think it was too competitive, to be honest. Yeah. But my contender, which is one game out of the best record in football, is the Cowboys. Yeah, I think. Cool. Uh, I think they they Dak has shown that he can play and he can be well and it I think it all relies also on if uh, Tony Pollard's healthy heading into the playoffs. Um, so I, I like the Cowboys as a potential uh, uh, contender. Cowboys could make a a pretty decent run. Um, you know, I'm getting more and more impressed by every week are the Chargers, and even though they're scoring less points. I think Herbert is like coming into his own. They're on a three game streak. They beat the Dolphins, the Titans, and the Colts. Eh, nothing really stands out, but you can tell Herbert just looks more comfortable. And I think that is going to be very dangerous in the playoffs. Right now, they are scheduled. If it ended today, they play Cincinnati. Call me crazy. I think uh, the Chargers win that game. Yeah, no, I mean, they needed to get comfortable. They needed those wins. And uh, Joey Bosa comes back. So yeah. big add to the defense. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, I, I love Herbert. He's he's going to be a very good quarterback in this league. He's got a lot of weapons around him, too. I mean, you know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Eckler, uh, 
Palmer has had a really solid year, so this is going to be – we've only got two more weeks of football. Two more weeks of football. And then uh, then on to the playoffs. Um, we'll check in with the MLB before we close out. Carlos Correa agreed in principle to the San Francisco Giants. Physical fails. Stevie Cohen, Uncle Stevie, backroom deal or back uh, back door. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, whatever the term is. Cuts a deal behind closed doors with Correa's camp. Correa's a Met until he's not, until he fails his physical there too. So Carlos Correa goes from a 200 whatever million dollar, actually over three with the Mets, to not having a home because he keeps failing his fucking physical. And we won't ever know what it is. I'm confused because last year when he was a free agent, Every, all eyes were, t- everyone was talking about his back. They're like, his back, he can't, st- it's going to be an issue. The Twins obviously signed him for that, you know, massive deal, short a- short years, high AAV with the opt-outs and stuff. He passes his physical. He plays 140 games this season. And now they're talking about a fibula that he broke in 2014. It's weird. It's weird. I don't know. Gun to my head, I think he's still a Met on a lower, maybe like a four-year with opt-outs. Gun to my head. I think, but also I, I, because the way Steve Cohen talked about it was just like, he, he, he made his bed before he was out of it. You know, like they, they, he had so much, he had too much certainty about this Carlos Correa deal getting done before the physical even happened. I, I agree with that. But again, when you have Steve Cohen, who this is his childhood board game and, He's spending like it's like he's playing uh the show. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Um oh, let's see. Where do I think he's gonna end up? I think back in I think, Minnesota. I think he's going to the Mets. Yeah. I don't think he's going to San Francisco. I think that bridge is burned. Burned. Uh, what a weird situation that is, man. Red Sox? No. No way. The Red Sox wanted a shortstop. They'd be calling their old guy. And we finish this episode how we started it, slandering Boston. I like that. Yeah. Happy 2022. <laughs> Into 2023 we go. Um, Let's do it. Episode 111 down the hatch. Uh, the we're going to come out hot the gates. We got football playoffs and hopefully Carlos Correa will have a home um, in the next couple of weeks that we can talk about. Um, any crazy football predictions this next week or so? Winning in for the giants. Not crazy. Realistic winning. They're in. I think uh, my final parting thing for football is the, pa- the Patriots will not win again this year. And I, my wish for 2023 is a new offensive coordinator. Maybe the whole staff. And that's it. That's how we'll close episode 111. Thank you for listening. Talk to you in 2023. So long, everybody. Take it easy. Take it easy.